welcome to machine ther theory. Theory. That's all I should call it. Machine theory. Of machine learning. Yesterday I was showing my future son-in-law um, some of my statistics um, that I had been doing with energy. So I was looking at Exxon, New Era, Excel, and Duke Energy, and looking at their performance from dividends and stock price. And at worst, you kept your, for five years, between 2017 to current, you kept your original investment. So let's say you had $100,000 and you invested it. And you could have, um, you could buy several thousand shares of the smaller stock, uh, like the drill equipment and stuff like that, uh, for, I believe it was Excel. He actually understood some of the stocks that I had on there. And we were commenting at one point about why there was a sudden dip. And it looked like Exxon had the largest dip for the longest period of time. And then we realized, he realized that that was when COVID was hitting with the Omicron. And uh, I said, well, that would be really interesting because what I could have done is in that time period done some hypothesis testing to see if if the disruptions in the supply chain did in reality directly correlate to the drop in the stock market price. And if um, those disruptions were significant to the oil industry. And yet the drilling companies didn't seem to have that big of a drop. And he pointed out to me that uh, that they wouldn't because they had already had their equipment on lease. And so the companies that were leasing the equipment would still have to be paid, be, be, paid, be paid. And that's just such an interesting aspect to the uh, simulation is because all of the factors have to be considered and understanding how a event might trigger um, a sell or buy in a commodity behavior is important to understand. So for example, how would the supply chain disruption affect oil? Well, <coughs> the oil drilling business is largely manual, so when you're changing the pipes, they haven't moved to the automated robots. Um, they do have them, and I don't know what percentage that the large robots that change the pipes on, let's say, on the offshore drilling rigs, where they'll the robot will take the pipe, it'll reconnect it up, um, move it over. You know, it's it's a slippery.
surface that you're working on is dangerous, uh, but at the same time, these the people that are working in oil are making lots of money. And but it's dangerous work, and so they have crews that are watching everything that's going on, monitoring, observing, and you have crews that are doing the actual dangerous work. But with the robots now, perhaps this is an indication that there is going to be a, a, a huge change in the way we extract oil, that it will be done through automation that the companies that can install the large robots and use them will be the companies that move forward without disruption in their production cycles. And so this might reveal that the, there is a stronger need for automation in the oil extraction business. Um, so it's uh, it's it's interesting. Well, and I need to start doing some more research on uh, imagery of the Bible. I hope you have enjoyed that series. I have one other chapter which I haven't put on there that I think I'll, I'll put sometime today on the imagery of the Bible that I've, I've put together. So I've had four, four groups now. And it has been really rewarding. I've, I've felt really good about it. And these are my, my opinions, just what I see what I think. So hopefully, you know, these are analysis that I've, I've been thinking about. But I think that's kind of like the power of imagery is that God doesn't give us his word um, lightly. And if you think of scriptures as being very technical, then you search your whole lifetime to understand the imagery and the meanings. And as you get more knowledge and understanding of the nature of man and the nature of the world and the universe, we really are 100% dependent on the grace of God to survive. And I've really enjoyed rethinking about quark theory, the mechanical explanation of matter, these subatomic particles that explain things like our strong force, the weak force, gravity, and electromagnetism. And 
we're privileged to uh, have that knowledge. I don't know if there's ever been a time where man hasn't tried to understand the world around him. I was even thinking about several years ago, driving home with uh, my brother-in-law. We were coming home from work. He he was working at a healthcare company, and he was living close to us. And we were talking. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Egyptian pyramids and how they did all their measurements. And, started thinking about how you could create uh, perfect squares using a circle and a point. And a like a, a line, a rope. And later, my wife and I wanted to build a Chinese checkerboard for our our son-in-laws to play with, you know, with, uh, and our ch- our daughters. I love my son-in-laws. They're great. Like the sons I never had. But my daughters, beautiful. They, uh, they, would um, so we used uh, my wife tried to do the pattern by hand and then I came up with this idea I remember talking to my brother-in-law about building squares using circles and so I figured out how to build the pattern using a ruler and a point. So it's basically a string and a point. And I was able to build all the intersection lines. It had to it had to be perfect, otherwise as you increase the number of of intersecting points it would be off a little bit, and your your um, pattern would be off. So the Egyptians must have had a way to get very precise measurements, maybe even down to the millimeter or micrometer, and then when they began to cut the stone, they must also have a way to ensure a high degree of precision. And when they put the stones in place, they must have had a mechanical way to install the stones. So one theory I've liked for a long time is the use of water because there's indications that they had counterweights that were used to help pull the stones up into place. 
and the idea of trying to uh, lift or push by human labor these huge stones that represented the king's chamber and the queen's chamber would have meant that they would have had extremely long ramps where they pushed these stones up to the top of the pyramid. So a better idea was that they created um, a spiral path to the top, kind of like when we traverse over a mountain to get to the top. And that was the way um, they did it. about mechanical explanations is that they're easier to understand and definitely to recreate, utilize. Um, so the Heisenberg principle of it knowing either position or speed through concept of interference or entanglement between the electrons has created the D-wave quantum computer. Quantum computers now uh, are a reality which we have and be used by companies to solve certain problems. And these problems that they're trying to solve are computationally intense. Maybe that you couldn't solve some of these problems with the von Neumann architecture in any time that's reasonable. The long comes with quantum computing comes quantum reality. So we're we're looking at the concept of powerful machines that can do amazing things. But I don't think that they will keep us safe in the universe. We still depend on God to, to protect us. 
we're like children. He's like our parents. And when we accept that relationship, we feel more peace with our reality. He foresaw everything that we have today and all the creations of our hands today. He saw those things. He understands already. It's kind of a dreary day today. Lots of rain. Heading off to do karate. We uh, we enjoy the opportunity to learn. I'm I'm really liking Power BI for that reason. They've added new visuals. We have some of the old visuals, but they have new visuals now. And uh, I was I learned a little bit, a couple of new techniques in dealing with stack plots that I didn't know about, like uh, multiple small things, how to do quick analysis of your data in small data grids. And so it's it's kind of like subplotting. It's exactly like subplotting, where you can take uh, and run, compare two things across multiple small things like categories and then you can add lines, you can add median, the horizontal or vertical lines that are so popular with Python from a tool. And I found that really interesting how all this data science visualization that we, we use in Python through Seaboard and Matplotlib are part of Power BI. So Power BI is becoming a the data science analytical tool. And so I've, I've been uh, enjoying that from DataCamp. It takes a long time to run because I've got it, I've got it now loaded up on my desktop Power BI and I'm doing a lot of the work over there because it's a lot faster, but I still have to answer the questions and do the, the work um, in Power BI on the web. That's running a virtual machine on the web. And, that, and that's what's fascinating is that I'm running a virtual machine on the web. It's running a script, and I'm doing the work over there. So I'm almost done with my second module. So that'll be about 20% through the coursework. Hopefully by the end of next week, I'll be about halfway. So it'll take me about a month maybe or two months to get through the 
of the track. But just you have to be patient. And you look for things that are useful and then you think about it. Thing it's interesting because college is a lot about understanding smaller, easier concepts and then working upward to more advanced and difficult concepts. And then today we take all of those difficult concepts and they are now beginning level concepts, abstract class used all the time now with abstract factories. Generic, used all the time with like with interfaces, specification. And I remember that uh, I took a data engineering class and that was one of the biggest parts is, is uh, implementation versus specification and creating your your object-oriented designs using interfaces. And that, at the time, was done. Uh, they had a couple of tools that you could use to build your class structures. And you define your entities and then begin to uh, implement interfaces. I remember teaching a class in the computer information systems where the coursework was how to design classes. And so I had to show them how to use the software, how to build the relationships, and then discuss with them the concept of interface design. You know, it became more common when I started working with object-oriented database. I had a database called Poet that I was working with. And it required to know what the sets were. So we defined the set and as you worked with classes and then subsets, you started to see where things needed to be decomposed more, made more flexible to handle more cases. And the relationships between the classes. Sometimes you had many-to-many -many relationships and how to manage those many-to-many -many relationships through cross-reference tables. Um, to understand what was going on between the tables. You didn't necessarily have to build a cross-reference table. You could have maintained the many-to-many -many relationships by the join. 
but it was easier to do with an intermediate table with a surrogate key. And so that was why uh, I did a lot of my design problems. And built queries over time to explain what was happening in the company. From Fortune 100 companies to startups to middle range companies. And trying to grasp, get a stronger understanding of the data. And so, just like Mankind, we're trying to understand the systems around us and understand the principles that drive us to utilizing things that are useful. Well, and I completed my noun challenge, so if you get a chance, you can find that on the uh, YouTube, and it ha provides a link to my webpage where I built Now Challenge, explains how I built the game. And uh, that one was actually kind of fun to play. So it was like I was showing that to my son-in-law, and we were looking at some of the clues, and then we were thinking about the word that it could be. You get four chances to guess the noun. And it's variable length. Sometimes it can have up to seven characters. And you're just looking at a few key descriptors. Sometimes the descriptors are fair, sometimes they're not. Like one of them was perestroika. Could not spell perestroika right. I mean, I guessed that it was perestroika, but I kept misspelling and trying to spell it phonetically, and I forgot that perestroika ends with an I, I A. Kept just doing uh, an A. And so I don't have in my mind a good way for counting characters. Because I could have counted the characters and realized that I was one character short. But that's part of the, the challenge to the game is to be able to um, try to figure out the word and do it within four guesses. It doesn't keep track of how many you have wrong. It just keeps track of how many you have right. I figured that if it was too hard that way, probably no one would play it. But these are games that, like Sudoku that challenge your mind and provide a 
a way to test your your skills. Um, well, life's good. Still have a job. Still have a home. Still have a family. And it's always possible that you could lose something. You can never know always the future, but you don't need to live life in fear of the future. The reality we have around us has been a creation of our design. The financial world created a lot of wealth, but at the same time, it defied many of the physics that were useful for fundamental valuation. Now land is extremely expensive. The distance between the rich and poor has got extremely large. And there's a lot of issues in our world. And I really like to still think about people who are solving problems at the bottom. That to me is a fascinating world because they are um, looking to solve the problems that the big cities have solved like water, electricity, food, shelter. And there are some amazing technologies. Water from the air. Concrete printed homes. Food that can be grown in greenhouses that float on water that use automation for the harvesting and planting of the food. Because food prices have got so expensive that I think the only way we really can survive the increasing cost is to innovate and cook our own foods and buy our food in bulk. Because the processed foods are so expensive. I was surprised how expensive the theaters were last night. Fifteen dollars. And a lot of the areas were out of order and not repaired. 
they, as if they lost their maintenance team, maintenance crew team. No one to fix it. Someone comes in and cleans it, but when things are broken, they just shut it down. And I was thinking, it seems like this theater's about to be shut down. High prices, poor quality, about to be shut down. Life's good. Well, it's exciting to see new adventures, new things, a new restart. And to have a perspective of ideas of where you want to go, what you want to do in life, new beginnings. And to get that inspiration of what might work for your future. I'm always amazed to see people who become highly successful of what they've done with their visions and how they became so prosperous. It is always great to see that. <laughs> 